Joel and I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land upon which we stand, the Wurundjeri people and the Kurnagunna people respectively. We pay our respects to the elders past, present and emerging. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Cinemangs. Uh, this is a movie podcast that I, Matt, Annette, do with uh, big, big, big movie boy, Joel Anderson. You can only shit. Okay. Uh, good night. <laughs> that's Thank a, you that's for a coming. Quote from the good movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That is true. No, he just yeah. says eat shit. He says eat shit about no, seven times. No, uh, no. He no. says you can all eat shit at the end. Okay. I have it written down. All right. Okay, good. Good, thank and you. And then one of one of the other people, he cuts away to like we're an establishing g- <laughs> shot. Yep. We're not going to establish what the film is, okay. but yeah, but <laughs> it cuts away to an establishing shot. Yeah. And and you can hear one of the characters be like, "I don't eat shit." Yeah. He says, <laughs> "That's Michael Shannon." And he says, "I'm not eating one iota of shit." <laughs> and that was ad libbed on set. No. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Hold, wait, hold on. Hold the fuck on. This is not how we do this. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Joel. Welcome to the podcast that we do. How are you doing? What have you been doing? What are you doing? What, where are you no, sitting well, right now? I haven't been in shit. Um, I'm sitting with my dog, uh, nice. Tessie. Hey, Tess. And, um, Friend of the show. Confused. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Little known fact, it, dogs yeah. do not understand podcasts. No. She doesn't understand a room anymore. She's like, what? what is this? <laughs> That's sad. <laughs> um, no, it is it's very sad. <laughs> um, what about uh, not sad things that you've been doing? You've been uh, watching any good uh, good things? You've been doing any good uh, anything? Just anything? Got anything? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> no, I haven't. Cool. <laughs> How about you? Uh, <laughs> I watched Brokeback Mountain last night. That was, uh, Ooh, that was a good time. Sexy. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty sexy. Um, it's kind of just like a sad sad cowboy movie it's got really beautiful scenery though and um and i actually uh the uh, the when the music started in the, at the beginning of that movie i was like ah oh, this kind of reminds me of uh the last of us too you know who did the fucking music for brokeback mountain uh ali gustavo santolala who did the music for the last of us too it was the same guy fun fact everyone yeah fun Amazing. fucking fact it's crazy um yeah so that's uh that's been pretty good uh well i watched i did watch um creed again oh yeah and another movie set in philadelphia i'm pretty sure it's it philadelphia? set in philadelphia um by tom hanks. no <laughs> by tom hanks no, but that is a good movie there's a book that tom hanks <laughs> wrote tom on hanks. the screen yeah um called a history of violence oh sweet brilliant interesting yeah have you seen the wire horrible. not philadelphia but i have it all downloaded but oh, i haven't dude, seen it the wire is fantastic I bought it once, so I was like, I'm going to really dig yeah, into this. Yeah, but yeah. it starts off pretty slow, and yeah. Yeah, it does a little bit. But, like, the first season, I think, is, like, some of my favourite television just Definitely. ever. It's fantastic. Definitely. I need to finish um, it. All right. Uh, so, this week, we watched uh, one of my favourite movies of, I don't know, of, of all time, but definitely one of my favourite releases of the last couple of years. Uh, yep. Knives Out from well, when did it 2019. Come out? Late 2019. 2019. It was yeah. uh, November, I think. I unfortunately I remember from the start of the year seeing posters from it and being yeah. like, oh, yeah, I might go see that. Yeah, I was actually yeah. struck by the poster. Like, I remember I, I didn't see the posters in cinemas. I think I just wasn't going to cinemas around that time. Didn't have much money or something. I don't know. But um, 
I remember seeing the poster on Netflix or something afterwards and being like, oh my God, what a cool poster. Like just looking at all of the cast and being like, holy shit, that's like Jamie Lee Curtis and Captain America and Michael Shannon. Like there's a great cast in this movie, man. It there's is... Bond and Captain yeah, America in one film. I know. How cool. <laughs> um, and they both get to play against, well, um, uh, Captain America mostly, um, Chris Evans gets gets to play against his normal role. Like, I mean, mostly because we know his normal role to be Captain America, but like he plays spoilers well, the bad guy. I don't, but yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you know Chris Evans from? What what is who is he? In your I just mind? don't really because I don't really I don't think I've seen a Captain America movie. Ah, interesting. I've seen other ones, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So the Casters movie is fucking awesome. So we've got um. Chris Evans as uh, Ransom, who is this, like, um, spoiled rich boy um, and eventually villain. Uh, Daniel Craig is Benoit Blanc, who is... I, I When I first saw him on screen and heard him do that accent, because yeah, I we think... we need to talk about yeah, the accent. Yeah, I think in my head, Daniel Craig is... And a lot of people said, Daniel Craig is James Bond. Like, that is who he is. He is the, like, masculine, um, sort of reserved British um, tough guy... Um, secret agent but in this he has a like strong southern drawl uh, and yeah, he plays Benoit Blanc strong. <laughs> no it's fucking it's great definitely deep uh, yeah but yeah. it's it's like so I disagree I don't think it's a good accent really you don't like it no oh, I love no it. I like it because I love that type of accent yeah but I don't think he does it very well honestly like uh like I couldn't do as good that's without a fucking doubt but but I, there is parts where I'm like, oh, I can just like every now and again I can see him lose it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, towards the end of the end of a sentence or something. Yeah, yeah, a little um, bit. But the fact that I love that accent and that accent is just so entertaining, like completely makes up for that. Yeah. So I don't really care. And you know, it fits his character so well. Like he he was Definitely. actually um in the script that Ryan Johnson. I'm going to talk a lot about Ryan Johnson too because it's just this good stuff. Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson. Um. The script that he wrote initially said that um, Benoit Blanc had a, like, soft southern accent or something, but when Daniel Craig started to get into the character, he started, like, speaking in just, like, a much sort of more played-up southern accent, and yeah. um, they they had a, like, dialect coach um, credited in the movie, which I, I'm pretty sure was for Daniel Craig. I was about to call him Daniel Andrews. Nope. Is uh, Daniel Craig, um, is, is, he, he, is he British? He is British, he yes. American? No, he's British, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So that's uh, that's what I thought because yeah, that's what I saw slip in there a tiny bit mm. every now and again. Didn't take away from the movie again though, but um, but what a bold choice! So, like I know, yeah. The sub it, it's been in a ton of different movies. Anatomy of a Murder, they do it just perfectly. Yeah, true. Um, what's his name? John Stewart. Uh, James James Stewart. James Stewart, that's think, it. Yeah, um, yeah, he yeah does he's a fucking absolutely killer. brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this is like, um, this is pretty. It's it's just so entertaining. Yeah, like, yeah. It, absolutely. it definitely um, brings me back to those places that all those that big chicken guy from Looney Tunes and <laughs> yeah, yeah, Falcon Leghorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was Leghorn. that's totally in a lot of like reviews and stuff of this character when talking about this accent. It's always described as being Falcon Leghorn esque. Um, so yeah, we've got Daniel Craig in his great accent, Chris Evans, uh, Ana de Armas plays Marta Cabrera, who's, um, mm-hmm. this is such a, a brilliant actor. Yeah, she is fan-fucking-tastic. She was absolutely robbed of an Oscar for this. Um, 
But we also have Jamie Lee Curtis of uh, Halloween and other things. Um, Michael Shannon of uh, Man, the Man of the Steel. <laughs> um, is Michael Shannon the one that he's, has the beard? Yeah, yeah. He's the Walt. Goatee? He's, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, he is so, also just... What do you think of that goatee? <laughs> Uh, it's bad. Wait, no, hold on. It's bad. Are we are we talking about? So there's Don Johnson plays Richard Drysdale and Michael Shannon plays Walt. Walt. Frumby. We're talking about Walt. Yeah, Walt. Yeah, yeah no, nah, his his facial hair is bad, but it also just fits his character. <laughs> it like d- his it hair, does fit the character yeah. very well. The costumes and and that stuff for this movie are just all so good. Like they're they're fantastic. Um, Michael Shannon was according to Ryan Johnson. Michael Shannon was like so much fun on set and and looking at the rest of this cast we've got Don Johnson Tony Collette Lakeith Stanfield like a good time. Christopher Plummer Catherine Dude, Langford Jaden Martell Stanfield is my single favourite actor working yeah Lakeith right Sta- yeah yeah you and I have yeah we have we have sung his praises before um, and I love there's he has a line in this movie so Lakeith Stanfield plays um, Lieutenant Elliot who's the, who's the sort of main cop and um he has a line where he gets out of his cop car just after a little car chase they do and he yells get out and everyone is latched onto that it's being like oh that's because he says from the movie get out he says get out (laughs) yeah that's his that's his thing um frank oz is also in this movie yoda the voice of yoda is uh the lawyer which is just such a funny place for him to turn up but it also is the second straight movie that Frank Oz and Ryan Johnson have done together. This uh, this being the second one, the first one being uh, The Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Frank Oz this, is This is a like a so well cast. It is, like, yeah. Perfectly cast. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Um, the only complaint I would make is Anna D. Armas. She, she does the role complete justice and it's brilliant. So they shouldn't like... Uh, I wouldn't say like, oh, it's not well cast or anything, because it is. But... If I was to make this movie, I would make her a more normal-looking person. Why'd you say? Just to sort of ground that a little bit. What do you but mean normal-looking? Because she's just, just so stunning, you know? Uh, yeah, um, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, but but that's a really a, just a personal thing, I, I feel, with, like, a lot of movies. Yeah, where, true. Yeah. Like, where, where, when you're working with, like, a Hollywood cast, a lot of the time uh, it's just, like unreasonably attractive people. Yeah, it's a lot of beautiful people. But, but, but to, to say that is, like, is kind of fucked up in a way because uh, that's been, like, oh, just because she's attractive doesn't mean she deserves a role. But that's not the case at all. She does it brilliantly. Yeah, because she she's totally such a fucking it. good actor in this. Yeah. yeah, she's just so good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. So, but the only thought that for the first, like, ten minutes, I was like, oh, well, um, and that's just a personal thing I'll probably get over in a few years. But... <laughs> Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and back to the poster again a little bit. Um, there's the version of the poster with that uh, big prop that is a set piece in the movie that is like a bunch of knives yes. in a spiral yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. So, so I remember seeing that. I'm like, that that literal prop on the poster is what made me, because I knew nothing about the film at all other than just seeing the poster. And I was like, oh, man, this looks fucking interesting. That is a really cool looking thing like it's almost like the the sword chair from game of game of thrones yeah but more symbolic yeah absolutely yeah. um and i love the the use because we see that so much throughout the film all of the interviews in the first third of the movie are set in front of that but the all of the framing is such that no one's head is ever directly in the center of um of this That's like ring of knives no that is true because i've watched this movie really? three times in the last few months and every fucking time Isn't i've made Lakeith's sure head head in the middle no I, I swear to God. 
No, the only time that it's framed perfectly with someone's head in the middle of it is um, when Daniel Craig, at the end during his expository scene, and uh, then a few minutes later when Marta sits down in front of it, it, she's... Yeah, so framed perfectly, yeah, yeah, for sure. But there is a bit where I was like... where Lakeith like bends down and his head's like right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, but everything that I've read about this movie, um, especially like like talking about these actors on set, they were apparent. It was apparently just as much fun as the movie. Like being on the set was as much fun as the movie was to watch because like it, um having all of these veteran actors like um Jamie Lee Curtis and Daniel Craig and Michael Shannon like. And and a lot of these people also being comedians, like Tony Collette is a comedian, uh, or she d- does comedy related things, um, and it's just like, it would have been so cool. And, and and Ryan Johnson, he he also Frank Oz is in this fucking movie. Yeah, dude, I said the voice of Yoda, Frank Oz. Oh, uh, okay, uh. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. I know you don't listen to me. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't ever. No, um, yeah, she's she's. Uh, Sorry, I've lost, I lost my train of thought. Frank Oz, man, <laughs> just thinking about Yoda now. Um, yeah. yeah, being on set with all these actors was apparently heaps of fun. Ryan Johnson has a um, a notes on a scene video on YouTube that is belongs to a channel that I don't want to plug. So they, <laughs> where he he basically just like breaks down one of the scenes. It's just before they do the will reading. And they're all sitting in the it's the eat shit scene. Um, and that was apparently shit. that was apparently one of the first times <laughs> that all of these big actors were on set together in the same scene together. Yeah. And like Michael Shannon does a a few different li- like ad lib lines, like the um, I'm not eating one iota of shit line that we mentioned before. That was ad libbed yeah. by Michael Shannon. And apparently the um, the Chris Evans line, that the eat shit line, was initially written as uh, fuck you. But Ryan Johnson uh, on set or like just before they filmed that. He thought, okay, if I have all of these fuck yous in this movie, that means we have to give it an R rating. And he wanted this movie to be accessible in the way that Agatha Christie mysteries were for him when he was a kid growing up watching them with his family. So he replaced, he took out a lot of the F-bombs in the movie. He replaced the um, all of the fuck yous with Eat Shits, which is a, it's still a hard yeah, hitter, man. this is definitely still a, a, like a family watchable film. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I actually watched this... No, Eat Shit is is, is, is is a stroke of genius anyway, because it's so quotable. Yeah, yeah. I was, when I wrote, when I watched that bit, I paused the scene. Oh, I didn't, I didn't pause the scene to do this. I paused the scene just because I went to go to the toilet, and on the way to the toilet, I'm just like, yeah, I'm gonna fucking eat shit. <laughs> and I was just like thinking to myself, like watching it with you, we would just be like, yes. yeah, you can eat, go shit. <laughs> but but you say the um, I don't eat the one iota of shit. That isn't the one that made me laugh. But as they're cutting away from the scene, mm. in very faintly, you can hear. I don't, not sure who it is, but someone just says, I don't eat shit. <laughs> I just thought that. So That's very funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So very good point. Whoever said that. Yeah. Very good point. Um, I, I. Yeah. I, I really love that scene particularly because it's just like, yeah. you know, on screen, all of the actors are just 
you know, they're doing their job so well. And yeah, what like what a what a cool set. Like Ryan Johnson in this interview, he like sort of nerds out about like I hadn't worked with all these really famous guys before, so I was like really excited to have them all there. And and apparently mm-hmm. he um he was trying to get like in between takes the director of this movie was trying to get like Christopher Plummer to talk about um like past sets that he worked on and other actors that he'd worked with, and he was like fanboying on the set of his own movie, which is just like how yeah. nice that's. You know, Ryan Johnson is in Hollywood, so he's probably done some fucked up things. Like, I, yeah. I don't have any so, proof, but chances are. Well, but no, I mean, yeah, let's not say that because that's like, yeah, stereotyping, and which is not something you want to do. Yeah, I don't know, but he did make uh, or make episodes or direct episodes of Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. Which is yeah, like, and and he did Looper as well. Mm-hmm. That's out of his uh, filmography. Those are two ones that really stand out to me. Yeah, as been very exceptional so yeah oh and there's a knives out knives out too yeah apparently um yeah it's gonna be yeah. it's because obviously this movie is sort of like a, a one great agatha christie homage um and just layers of mystery the, yeah yeah and yeah. and um apparently it's gonna be sort of drawn out in the way that agatha christie christie mysteries yeah. were with Pro yeah, they should stuff. do it as a lakeith uh vehicle uh, and just have it be around him <laughs> well apparently so apparently knives out 2 is only going to feature daniel craig like it's not going to have any of the same cast which i think okay that makes sense with yeah. With a cast this big and like with a with the success that this movie had, I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in like one or two characters from this movie. Like if Anna de Armas or um yeah or like if Anna de Armas became like a sort of um Watson to Quay to Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc, um that would be I think really entertaining and it wouldn't super make sense in no. the context of this universe, <laughs> yeah. but it would be definitely entertaining. Definitely. Well, and it... and we know that Daniel Craig is great at at finding a role and then running with it very well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of also would make sense because Anadamas is a... Marta Cabrera, she's a nurse, but the her main patient is now dead. So she just owns this awesome yeah, big house and, I don't know, maybe... So, uh... Yeah, that, that's right. That's right. She might transition careers. Yeah. That, w- that would actually work. My mother is a nurse, mm-hmm. right? Which all the nursing scenes... Has I'm she like, ever oh, given God. anyone a morphine? A deadly morphine <laughs> Well, she works toast. with kids, so we, ho- ah, we hope not. Yep, that's, <laughs> we hope not. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's bad. Um, we are the, we we have been on the run a couple times, relocated, <laughs> but I, don't know, I think that's been for other crimes that Man. the family's committed as a whole. Um. Yeah. <laughs> um, in terms of the um, mystery aspect of this, mm. this is one of, like, I have a, not, not really a pet peeve, but more of a... Like movies that the whole point of it is the twist or the or the mystery, you ha- it has to be done perfectly. Yeah. Otherwise, for me personally, it's like a, it, it misses something and um, it seems a bit corny a lot of the time. And this is just so not that. This is this is like I this is a movie where I'm I'm analyzing it and I'm taking notes because we're doing it for the podcast. So I'm I'm running down a couple predictions as I go, and just none of it is correct. <laughs> yeah. What were some of the predictions? I, I love, you had? I love. Um, I I thought at the beginning or at the twenty eight minute mark that uh, the uh, what's the guy's fucking name? Uh, the the person that is. <laughs> The most important character. Harlan? <laughs> yeah, Harlan. Harlan, Harlan me, had yep. set this whole thing up because he's like yeah, a crazy yeah, old, yeah, yeah. old uh, novelist and, and he wants all these people to play with in his world, which in a, a little bit of a sense is true because 
the way that he went about having his death was definitely a dramatized thing. Totally. But at the same time, it's more it's more that yeah, I mean, it's more complex than that, as we know. And and I was like, at that point in the movie, I was like, that's that has to be what it is. And I was just like, you know, in my stupid fucking head, thinking, oh yeah, the rest of this movie is gonna be pointless because this is clearly what's going on, yeah. and it's not what it's not what's going it's on. Not... So when you do get the payoff, it's to me, it was like extra special. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any theories going through, like what you so thought was I, the case? I have. I have a quite a large theory about. Um. It. It's not actually related to the murder or. It's kind of just related to um, Blanc's character. I'll get into that. But um, yeah. my initial thoughts... He's the mastermind? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll get into it. Um, my initial thoughts were, like, the sort of very basic idea that, like, okay, the... Like, like within the first five, ten minutes of the movie, as family members were being introduced, I was like, oh, yeah, so, like, maybe it's gonna... Because I'm pretty sure the um, plot of the murder on the Orient Express, just to, mo- just to spoil that for everyone, pretty sure that the answer to that mystery was that everyone did it. Everyone did the murder, which is like, okay, well, no, come on. Wasn't it the, the conductor? I don't fucking remember. You're thinking, no, <laughs> dude, you're thinking of the adventure zone. Uh, the one. I, I'm thinking of the adventure time one. No, <laughs> fucking hell. Um, no, okay. Knives out. This, that's the mystery we're talking about. Fuck all the other mysteries. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I thought that oh okay like it's gonna be it's gonna be the whole family they're gonna have like plotted together to um to kill him or or to cause really? his death in some way um yeah but yeah, then you learn never that. you learn who did it like 40, 35 or forty minutes into a two hour film and yeah. the well you learn that's why the mystery is so good because you you learn who in quotes did it but you don't you don't learn. The Everything other aspect else. of what's going yeah. on, and, yeah, and and and, and it's and, and it's a bit like as a viewer, you're like, oh well, they just played out the entire thing. Exactly, going on. yeah. And then and then that's the, the when the layers of mystery mm-hmm. comes in, where what you originally think is the goal of the movie in terms of like finding out what the mystery is is actually not at all. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's in. It, it's not even just a twist in the narrative. The narrative itself twists uh, twist back on itself. Oh, it's so many twists, awesome. dude! It's like a yeah. bag of twisties. Um, yeah, the, I mean, we get that we get that scene where um, Blanc is interviewing Marta, and uh, he flips his silver dollar, and it goes into slow motion, and then we cut back to yeah. that like explanation of how the murder happened, and then we cut back to the silver dollar that's still flipping to show that no time has passed, and then he catches it. Reveal and that he's two-faced. That, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but that is the signal that, okay, the murder movie portion of this murder movie is over. Now we're going to go into crime thriller. And it, it the question doesn't become who did it, but, like, will our protagonist get away with the murder? Which is such a strange concept for a murder mystery... But mm. like because of the nature of this film, it's fucking awesome. It's so compelling. Um, as soon as they bring up that the character's name is Ransom, yeah, there's a little bit of suspicion <laughs> yes. that goes directly yes. into your mind, which I think might be on purpose. Like I haven't looked too into the entire crafting and making of this film. I know that this film for you is especially uh, a thing that you love, which I fucking adore. Mm. Like any any time anyone loves something this much. Um, but yeah, that's a bit like, it's not a giveaway and, and, and you truly, at least for me, you truly do not know that, 
the type of involvement that he had, but it gives that like like little little extra intrigue mm. that is so important in a movie movie like this where where you're trying to look at it from all these different angles and at the same time you have all this like different baggage from little things that yeah. you find out but you don't know which of that ba- which of the baggage is actually correct yeah you don't know which bag and which to, reach to into. put into your theory yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah um so on the, on the thing about ransom like you getting suspicious of his name um yeah. there is a there's a thing that Ryan Johnson talks about in this interview I mentioned um, that is sort of a a bit of a giveaway in, like, the uh, current movie space. Um, But Apple will let you... Apple will let you use um, iPhones in movies and will will obviously show their brand because they they are a fucking business. But they will not let you... Uh, have you the antagonist, the bad guy in your film? They will not let him use a um, iPhone on set or on uh, on screen. Sorry. So if any oh, character, yeah. Okay. So if any character has an iPhone, that is so in a movie. Stupid. I know how fucking insane is that. But if any character well, we has an Apple, iPhone in a movie, uh, like kills children. Yes. So yes. That's, <laughs> that's yeah. right. <laughs> um, yeah. Not funny. So no, <laughs> it's not no. funny at all. But. Just that prospect that, like, okay, you might we might have just like spoiled a lot of future murder mysteries, uh, yeah. because of capitalism, you know. <laughs> that's why you got to set everything in 2006 and just have flip exactly phones. that's right, or 1896 <laughs> and just do uh, uh, yeah, Dracula. Dracula was written in 1890s. They, they, yeah. yep, <laughs> um, anyway, uh. <laughs> <laughs> so brilliant yeah. um the set you and i are really big champions of physical sets yeah. and um so and practical effects this and is stuff. my favorite part of the movie yeah it is other than incredible. the mystery and the storytelling that house is just fucking spectacular it, and you know what i think this is probably just tacking something onto the film that I, it might not be true but to me the density of all the props and different little trinkets this man has a, in his house sort of represents the density of the mystery in this film. T- just to me, that's w- w- what I got. Um, and every single thing you could, every time they show like uh, a frame within the house, you could pause and just like scan around the room and look at all these little things. Absolutely. And, and, and it, it really is true. Like I, the few people that I've uh, been to the house that are like career long artists you do end up like a lot of them will end up like with just so much shit, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. And like, and this is like the most pure version I maybe you've ever seen in the movie or like, it's pretty outlandish really. But, but for a guy that is what he's like 85 when yeah, he dies 85. and yeah. And, and like, it's like all his earthly wares and all these little things that he's interested yeah. in. And every single one of them is like literally like a super interesting item just by itself yeah. that, itself is a piece of art you know and it's like just makes the movies so much more dense yeah absolutely and and that density in shots that you're talking about is also a result of because not only do you have these incredible sets like every shot contains like a little um like a painting on the wall or a a statue yeah there's there's knives just around the house everywhere um but ryan johnson and uh his dp steve yedlin um they work together to um they put a lot of emphasis on density in like, like blocking for actors um, within shots. So yeah. you will have uh, Johnson talks about having um, 
depth in shots. So he will often have a shot of a, especially in, in a scene like, um, the, uh, just before the wheel reading when they're all in the lounge room together, I don't think there is, there's very few shots other than close-ups where you will get like a person just in the shot by themselves, right? Which would be interesting enough because of all the shit on the walls, but then you're going to, you're going to have the person and then just behind them, you're going to have another person in the background and then behind them, you're going to have another portrait of a person. There's so much to look at because our eyes are immediately drawn to faces, right? And there's so much to look at in a scene and you are rewarded for that because there's a few scenes where the plot (laughs) is taking place literally behind the, uh, the, the subject of that shot so you'll have Daniel Craig yeah. in the foreground in the background you'll have the dog like running up with the uh with the chunk of um of wood that um yeah that might have kicked off the thing yeah it's or you'll just have like, like a little statuette that is representative of what's going on right yeah. um yeah there's just like so much density there and on Steve Yedlin I just want to sing his praises for a minute so he's he's Ryan Johnson's DPs they've worked together on quite a few movies mm-hmm. I think um and he so this movie was all shot uh shot completely digitally um even though ryan johnson usually shoots film but uh they shot this one completely digitally and yedlin did a bunch of like fucked up color science that i don't understand editing on the um Mm. visuals of this film saturation in this film yeah he he made it look like it was shot on film even though it was completely shot digitally and he did all of these tiny little things like um film does a thing called halation where the light um light like you can see it around the edge of um windows in in daytime indoor daytime scenes and uh, the light from the window will have a tiny little sort of rainbow effect on the edge of the windows. Yeah, it's a halo. Right, yeah. exactly. And Yedlin, that is in this movie only because Yedlin's cool... He has a fucking wild, wild-ass name too, Yedlin. I say that word, it's crazy to say. Um, it definitely is Star Wars. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. totally. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he, he, like, wrote some fucking code or something. They, they say, like, he wrote a script. I guess that's, like computer science shit but um yeah, yeah he edited that <laughs> tiny little bit of light halation yes. <laughs> i don't know anything about computer shit that's so cool though. yeah so he yeah, put a lot of effort programmed into it. the did he program the camera or program it i think afterwards? it was all in post i would imagine it's all in post because yeah, um, wow. otherwise but um but yeah he's a good man he's talented he's hardworking, and you know yeah. worked on Do we know details. who the set dresser was uh yeah i had set dressers names um Yes. Okay. Uh, David David Schlesinger was a set director. A set yes, oh, set wow, director. Okay. And David Crank was the production designer. Um, so both of them were in part in part responsible for um, yeah the, the sets that you see. So shout out to those Davids. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Dave's. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about just the general. D- by the way, David Schlesinger is like a pretty prominent set director. Oh, uh, interesting. Director. Do you yeah. know any other ones that he's worked on? John Wick. Oh, uh, interesting. Annie. Uh, wow, that's a different <laughs> direction. Wow, that's another different direction. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, interesting. Okay. Hamlet. Hamlet. Uh, the TV movie version. <laughs> really? <laughs> so I, in, I like in to terms think of prominent, that... he has a lot in his... Yeah, yeah. I like to think a that A TV you... show called Love Monkey? Love Monkey. Okay, great. Yeah. I like to think that the you have show. all this information in your brain. You're not reading from a website <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, no, no, no. no I'm, I'm, I don't even have my laptop open. I'm just holding my that's, dog. And, your yeah, dog actually told you. Summoning test, it. Test new. Yeah. I don't know. If it... Anyone can hear like snoring in the background. That's not me. Uh, that that's my dog. You do snore when you're awake sometimes, though. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
So the tone of the tone that this film takes, like from the opening shot, I was just super in love with it because so you know it's a murder mystery, it's Agatha Christie esque, but it is also so self aware. Like the score is like so over the top and um and like dramatic, but it's also just very aware of itself. You know, because like the rest of the film is so aware that it is um. You know, it takes itself so seriously, but it's okay with it. and Like, it has fun with it. And uh, that's what, what Benoit Blanc does, too. Like, as Marta says to him in one scene, like, he's not a very fucking good detective. Like, he doesn't do a lot. But, I, I mean, he is a good detective, but, like, he doesn't play the very vanilla traditional role. It's not traditional that traditional yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not that traditional thing where, like, you're sort of confused the whole movie, and then, bam, this guy is, like, he just, like, you know gives a entire spiel and that's like the reveal even though that is kind of what they do but at the same time they they have this element of him not still kind of not knowing what's going on which i love yeah it feels very um a, a product of its time like i haven't been watching very many films that are brand new yeah, uh, lately, yeah. like at all so it was kind of like a breath of fresh air for me in that way because it's so um all, all the techniques it's used, it, it, it is uniquely... Um, it's modern day. Uniquely new. Yeah, modern day, because I don't think you could have made this movie even five or ten years ago yeah. um, the same way that it is made today with that little bit of irony that it has and that little bit of um, just the self-awareness yeah. and the uh, little bit of comedy nature. Yeah, totally. Well, still oh. being... like Because a lot of times, if you're trying to do like a mystery comedy it's like you get lost in trying to balance those things, whereas this just has, like, the perfect little splash of that. It's just naturally funny sometimes. Which, it makes sense, right? Because because that's a big thing for Breaking bre- Bad. Breaking it's like an amazing drop. Breaking Bread. Um, <laughs> breaking Bad. That, the Bible. <laughs> that, um, that it's this crazy drama, and it's very serious and, and, and pretty fucked up in a lot of ways. But... A lot of the times you get an episode where it just makes you laugh like fucking uh, brilliant comedy would, and this film sort of mirrors that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And even The Last Jedi has elements of that. So, like, Ryan Johnson, I think he is good at just working comedy into his writing because he did also write this film. And just to talk about, like, mystery writing, because I'm I'm a serious fucking nerd for this kind of thing. So um, I think the, the reason that this mystery works the reason that I love it so much because in every mystery story you're going to be able to pick out little plot holes I mean in every bloody in every plot ever you can pick out plot holes but the yeah g- like when Lakeith turns around and he suddenly has, has a glass of water yeah and th- that's a really weird <laughs> shot too and he just like holds it up right in front of the camera and he's like here like, drink this and it's like oh is this I, part I didn't of the plot? go back and redo it but I swear to god he did not have that <laughs> glass of water earlier <laughs> um so yeah, yeah. Uh, if you look at something like Harry Potter, um, those are <laughs> just bear with me. Those are very well written mysteries because they are fair with the audience. So they give you it's it's easy to do in books, granted, because you can pack so much detail into into a page. Um, but uh, they are fair with the audience in the sense that they she gives you all of the clues. Um, that you need to solve the mystery that you learn at the end. And if you already solved it, then it's just, you know, an extra bit of excitement. And if you didn't solve it, then you're able to go back through the book and be like, oh shit, like that meant that, that yeah. meant that. And that's a bit of extra fun compared to something like like a lot of detective TV shows. Like I'm sure one of the billion Sherlock shows has done this. Um, yeah. But they they just have like Sherlock 
rolling around and then there's a scene with him and there's all the like maths on the screen in front of him and then he clicks his fingers and he's and like there's I've no got way it. you could have known exactly there's no way you could have known that because yeah. he essentially uses his superpower yeah, to exactly. find out the information exactly. yeah. whereas this in this movie even when we do or david caruso even when we do get that um that last scene which daniel craig memorized that whole monologue like, Ryan Johnson had prepared for him to do a bunch of shorter takes so that Craig could check the script in between takes, but Craig memorised the whole, like, last 20 minutes of just him talking. It's so good. I hope this um, goes into a new uh, area for Daniel Craig's career where he just starts playing these just off-the-wall fucking yeah, yeah, characters yeah. because totally. I would just love to see yeah, that. Yeah, because, like, he yeah. has a... Re- this this shows his acting range compared to something like James Bond mm. where there's a not an abundance of emotion in, in that actor, um, in that role, rather. But um, in yeah, this one, it's... it's pretty uh, straight, yeah, straight up. Yeah. yeah, whereas in this one, it's like... I don't know. He, 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 I, there's a part of me that wants to say he makes expressions. They align with his the quirkiness and weirdness of his character, right? Like, mm-hmm. so when he looks surprised, he looks surprised in the Benoit Blanc way, you know? And then he has all these, yeah. like, quirky-ass little little lines and turns of phrase that he um, that he always delivers. And it's just... that Obviously, the donut hole monologue is just fucking brilliant. <laughs> like, that's the kind of... That's the comedy that we were talking about. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, on the mystery writing, like, when he divulges all of this... And this inside huge, that donut hole. <laughs> this huge um, lump of exposition at the end... It cuts back to, you know, some scenes that we haven't seen, it's just filling in the blanks, but it cuts back to a lot of scenes that we have already seen in the movie. So we have been given a lot of these clues and it makes sense to us why, like, how this mystery panned out before us without us really, you know, understanding at the time. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's just really, it's really well written. There's some some great dialogue. Like, I, I, there are a lot of, especially since I've watched, um, I've watched this movie three times this year. I think three times in the last, like, six months, probably. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, really, yeah. You really Yeah, man. Um, and every time I have sort of learned to nitpick it a little bit more, like, there is there is more details that I can point out being like, hold on a minute. But um, for the most part, it is very sound. Like, it, it is... There's mm-hmm. a lot of attention to detail. Um, you know that YouTube sh- channel, uh, Everything Wrong With? Yes, yeah, Cinema Sins. Yeah, so Cinema yeah. Sins. So it's favorite. I didn't watch the thing for this because I just couldn't be fucked. I didn't want to po- poke holes in it. Um, but it does have like I I have another one written down. Uh, a burnt uh, security camera doesn't yes. mean the files yes, are gone. That, yeah, <laughs> that was one that I <laughs> but, also. But out. all of those little conceits, all those tiny little conceits, it, it sort of doesn't matter because the the story as a whole uh, is just so yeah, well it's done. It's so solid. It, it just doesn't fucking matter. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so solid. Yeah. The there's there's also a few like shots where I I just go oh like. Um, of the the knife display that we were talking about before, um, where mm-hmm. the I think it's just before Daniel Craig delivers the monologue, and the camera pans along it quickly pans along all of the knives, and Daniel Craig is like standing right next to it, and then it goes close yeah. up on his face. That shot is just so tasty, man. It's just such quality shit, and all of the like uh, title cards that we get, uh, the the font is. Um, I think that is like the same font that was used on Agatha Christie mysteries of old, and uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely old novella. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Typeface um, and and from, just like yeah. little shit like um, 
one of the first title cards we get says uh, the you know a, a day or six hours whatever after the after Harlan Thromby's demise and it's just like so that sort of like self-awareness language of dramatic dramatic self-awareness of drama um that I love yeah I just love man it's it's so much fun yeah it perfectly plays because it is a film that the whole thing is about the mystery um and th- that has such a rich rich history the mystery has a rich That's history true. um it perfectly plays the sort of role of being a mystery, uh, mystery, and and having all those like little bits of um, that you can identify uh, within that genre, yeah. but just not being just corny, you know. Um, and the little bits of corniness are clearly like intentional. Yeah, they're charming. To have a little bit of comic relief. Yeah, they're yeah. charming. It's a very charming yeah. film. Um, yeah. So. Uh... I, one of my favourite facts that I came across in researching this film is that... So we have Ryan Johnson, who's the director. We had not one, not two, but three of Ryan Johnson's cousins working on the film too. Keep it in the <laughs> yeah, film. Yeah, that's right. So we had yeah. uh, Nathan Johnson was on the score. We had uh, Zach Johnson, who did the um, like uh, clue portrait um, style uh, credits that we get at the end of the movie for all the characters, uh. which are just great. They, they are actually hand-painted. Um... And then yeah, wow, holy yeah. Shit. And then um, Camilla Johnson, his his estranged sister, no, who was another <laughs> who played the dogs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That was a dog's name. Okay, I don't have the name of the other Johnson there, but uh, the other Johnson did the <laughs> yeah. title credits, which uh, yeah, we mentioned before. They're cool. Cool. Uh, so can I get what 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 from rewatching this film do you get? Okay, uh, that's different. <laughs> that, so that... for me. Looking back, there's a few moments that I would like to go and what rewatch just to see w- with the the added veil of knowing what the twist is, to see if they make sort of sense. Um, like the bit where she at the beginning she um finds him with his throat slit yeah. and like panics yeah. to see if like because I do not know because I didn't go and rewatch it to see if that is like properly overacted and like little things like that to see if. Um, it works. Yeah, yeah. Does it? I, I, I would say yes, definitely. Like, like that, that scene works for me. But also, um, there, as I said before, like it, it helps me identify a few questions that I have. Like, uh, you know how one of the big plot points, like the, the reason that, um, that Blanc knew that she was sort of involved in the murder was that he, the first time he saw her, this this holds up in a rewatch too, the first time he sees her, he looks down at her shoe and he yeah. has a an elongated look down at her shoe in that shot and then he looks back up and then that doesn't mean anything to us at the time but upon mm. rewatching that that is him noticing the blood on her shoe, that speck of blood on yeah. her shoe. And Perfect. The, yeah, the, the only problem with that speck of blood on her shoe is that she was across the other side of the room like a good couple of meters at least from thromby when he slit his throat it doesn't really but apparently um in trying to remove the r rating uh ryan johnson also removed a bunch of the blood that was in that throat slitting scene so maybe in the Wait, original version they wanted to rate this film r yeah that's what i was saying about the f-bombs ridiculous. yeah the, the, the original <laughs> yeah. script would have gotten an r rating but um, oh, okay yeah right. but they yeah. they removed a bunch of swear words and uh and a bit of the blood from the throat slitting scene um so i'm wondering if like 
if there wasn't more blood in the initial Tarantino bath of blood. Yeah, then, I don't know, maybe it would have made sense that she had a good good splatter on her shoe. Well, I don't know if you've ever cooked a nice pasta. That's right. You do get get blood everywhere. You cut most of your fingers off (laughs) every time you cook pasta. (laughs) No, but if you have a, a splash that happens in the process... You, you'll see, like, a single speck can really fly across the room. So maybe that's just what's happened. Yeah. Like, his 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 motion of uh, suicide. <laughs> um, it was so intense that it, it threw a, a tiny speckle. I would believe that. I would believe, like, yeah. Genuinely, that, and yeah. That's the, all the way across the room, that could happen. That's the kind sure. of um the kind it of kind of doesn't holes. make sense, but it, it does work. Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's the kind of trend with the blowholes that I found is, like, part of me is like, wait a minute, but how? And, like, you know likelihood would say no that drop of blood didn't fly across the room but it's possible you know it's possible um and one of the things that i keep uh just this confirmation bias i keep giving myself is about my conspiracy theory um every time i rewatch it i look for more evidence on it and i have compiled a list of that evidence Go for uh, it. Be warned, it is meager and it is not very entertaining, but here it is. No, so, that's, that's a good explanation <laughs> of what this podcast that's is. Right, that's right, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> um, okay, so we have uh, Joni Mitchell, who plays Joni Thromby, right? She's the, like, lifestyle guru one. So she is yep. Harlan Thromby's daughter-in-law, meaning that she married Neil Thromby, who is Harlan's yep. other son, right? Mm-hmm. So she says in the first interview, she says that she married Neil, who is 15 years dead. So Neil has been gone for a long fucking time, right? Long enough yep. that he could have gotten any number of plastic surgery and name changes and accent changes, whatever. <laughs> Do you see where I'm going with this? Um, um, so, I see a few things that could happen, but go so, on. <laughs> okay, next we have... Um, it, this movie establishes that people hear things wrong, right? We have that with the you and the hue line, right? So the first time I saw... Which I thought, when he said, when they said that, I did sigh. You did, I know, I know. That was the, that was probably the weakest one, but also Well, it does like, make sense. Yeah, it does make sense definitely. and it does work. It's just a bit like... Oh, yeah, no, come no. on, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but that is an establishment in this movie, right? That is a very, very prevalent thing. And when I first, when I first heard the line, um, uh, the great, great aunt, um, whatever her name is, great aunt, Great Nana, Great Nana, I think is what they call her. Um, who's played by yep. Kay Callan, uh, and she's she's just one fucking that is a mysteriously awesome. old. She is yeah. she's so funny. Like when she laughs yeah. right at the end. What a great! <laughs> she's almost yeah. like a prop. Yeah, that's right. She is. <laughs> um, that's right. Um, so when she's standing at the window the first time when Marta is climbing back down after after doing all of that shit, she says, uh, "Grandson, are you back? Or no, grandson, are you back already?" I thought she said ransom. Yes. No. No, no. Sorry. She did say ransom. She did say ransom. But the first time I watched it, I thought she said, grandson, are you back already? Yeah. And so if she's Harlan Thromby's mother, then her grandson would be yeah. one of Harley's, Harlan Thromby's sons, which could be Neil, this dead son, right? Yeah. When Marta ah. goes outside to meet... Uh, not meat, but she goes outside and... Uh, better <laughs> Wait. Block no, no, no. Just pause I, for a second. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? So you had you you said you set up that <laughs> that people can mishear things within the film just so you could talk about how you misheard something. Yes, there's more though. There's more. That's not every piece of there's example. More. Keep going. So, keep going. Um, when Benoit Blanc is sitting outside, he's smoking a cigar, and uh, Marta comes out, and they have a they have a really good conversation about the um, 
the rainbow of gravity's rainbow or some shit. It's great dialogue. Yeah. But um, Marta asks him if he knew Harlan, and it's just this throwaway line. He says he knew my father, a police detective, years ago. So he says he knew my father, which is a very vague thing. But you know, it's sort of a it's sort of a Star Wars like um, Obi Wan Kenobi avoiding the truth kind of shit. And then right at the end, when um, Marta as sort of everything's sort of finished and Marta's just having a last conversation with Blanc and she says to Blanc, she's like, I should help them, right? Like, I, I should help this family. And Blanc sort of gives her this sly, knowing look and he goes, I have my opinion. And then he leaves. And that's all we get. Yeah. So, For me, I thought that's a, a comment on their political alliance. But yes, we should also talk about the politics in this movie too. No, because, I don't want no, to. No, because they're hilarious. But but it okay, is that is so it makes me angry. that is my very very weak evidence as to why Benoit Blanc is actually uh, Harlan Thrombey's long dead I, son, I Neil Thrombey. If not, I would believe that Ryan Johnson put that in there. That site idea just so he one day an australian boy could could talk That's about right. it on a it's podcast a, it's a test it's kind of like yeah. the golden ticket thing but you have to instead of buying chocolate and then biting into a piece of golden paper you have to record a podcast with your a, friend a crazy the, man <laughs> yeah in a factory That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right you know you have to record a, it's the golden golden conspiracy theory on a podcast it's a bit more of a mouthful than golden ticket but you know Ryan Johnson's a bit of a bloody mouthful, isn't he, mate? Anyway, uh, politics in this movie, hilarious. They're so... Hilarious. Like, the, did you... Okay, let me... What did you... Did you pick All up... All stupid-ass arguments yeah. that fucking Republicans give... Given so well. Yes. And with through this this incredible veil, veil of, like, this is what these type of people think, mm. because it's true. Um, and then that that little, uh, little fuck... Fuck boy, <laughs> what's his name? Oh, Jacob, um, the, one the Nazi like, troll, must yeah, yeah, in the bathroom. Jerks off to yes. dead deers. Yes. Yeah, oh, it's so yeah, funny. That might be like my favorite character, yeah. <laughs> like favorite like small character because, holy shit, like <laughs> I just want to like it, it. It really does the job of making me want to like just hit this kid in the <laughs> face, which I'm not a violent I person, know. but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very funny. Um, okay, so I I am shout out to all my SJWs out there. I've watched a lot of videos on this film, um, uh, but did you pick up any... So we see a few scenes, especially in the opening interviews, when they're all talking about, like, the birthday party with um, Harlan's birthday party and everything the night of, that we see these different people's memories of this event. Did you pick up any discrepancies between these different memories? So, yeah, I just saw that they were different, yeah. basically. Yeah. yeah. So... Um, which I love. Yeah. Because that is actually how memory actually yeah. works. Yeah, so. and it's a very yeah. sort of entertaining depiction of it too because you it, it sort of paints these people as all being very um, selfish and, and such, but as you say, that is how memory works. Like, maybe not as gratuitous as it's done in the movie, but in theory, that is that is the fallibility of memory. It's, it's, it's both not as gratuitous and even more gratuitous than some... some um, yeah, some, right. Uh, yeah, right. Sometimes. Um... And uh, what about the... Uh, did you catch anything about Marta's home country? Um, what is it? Was it Venezuela? No. So that was the thing, is they never establish where Marta's family wrong. is from, but all of the family members say... They say about four Rico, or five different company, com- companies. Spain, yeah. Companies, wow, Freudian slip. Countries. Um, yeah. They say about bloody hell with oh, capitalism. Bloody capitalism, mate. Thing. We Ooh, got it. I think we took them down this time. Um, 
they say like every time they say a different South American country, and it's just like so well done. Yeah. Um, and then there's the there's a Richard's memory of the conversation that they're when they're having the political conversation in front of the fire and they invite Marta in to like join the conversation in Richard's memory. She like prances over and he's like beckoning her over like a, in this very fatherly way. And then in reality, we see later that they were like, she was being used as this like terrible prop for his argument. She would, she didn't want to be a part of. And then he like subconsciously hands her his dirty plate as if she's the fucking maid or something like it's just so good, which apparently that was um an on set decision from, um, uh, what's his name? Richard, uh, Richard's character. The plate man. Don Johnson. Don Johnson. Don Johnson. Yeah. Um, so it's just like, I, I, yeah, I really enjoy their handling of the, the politics in this. It's just like very sort of lighthearted and comedic, but also like, you know, it is, but it still made me mad. Yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, that's just me. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, the two things that, are that I really want to talk about for this film is it's got my favorite car of all time, or at least top three. Yeah, the Beamer. Uh, the BMW, yeah. yeah, the BMW E9, the uh, specifically the 3.0 CSI version. Oh, so sick. Um, so fucking <laughs> sexy. Yeah. Um, she vomits in the Big Gulp. This yeah. movie would be a point better if he had have just drank out of the big gulp, and that was a thing in the film. Not that I, uh, I actually hate like vomit stuff in films, yeah. but I just thought that they set that up and they didn't do I it, know. and I was kind of let funny. down by that. <laughs> and uh, to talk about something sort of political, we hate politics on this show. Is, yeah, uh, the entire I guess it's not even political; it's like social. So the entire inheritance thing, mm. right? Mm. For me personally, like, it's pretty complex, but um, I don't personally think that inheritance should be a thing the way it is because it allows people to, uh, families to stay rich and stay, um, yeah. So this is a pretty interesting, like, comment on that, not necessarily commenting directly on that theory that uh, uh, the money should return to the state and be uh, spread around to places that uh good yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the money to go rather than just uh these individuals that just happen to be related it, it, it isn't necessarily talking about that but the the thing the what it does talk about is how like how much conjecture and how much um it, like trouble it can throw into a family dynamic yeah. which is so like a real thing that goes on and and isn't isn't explored very much in in uh it, it there's a, there's a few things I can't name the movies where they have the scene where like uh, the inheritance is the will is getting read and and like someone is appalled by what's going on and I just love that because it's like yeah no one really deserves that shit. The beginning, well, the beginning yeah. of the first uh, Skullduggery Pleasant book has that scene. Yeah, <laughs> but I I I agree. I I think that um I don't know it, it's a. It's a big capitalist conversation. I'm fucking... I'm tired. <laughs> um, but, uh, no, I, I think on, on on the idea of family, I think I... I think I might have mentioned on this show before, but, like, my perception of family has... I, I'm not very close with my extended family and not really close enough Same. with them to build up animosity like this movie shows. And, like, I know a lot of, a lot of people... Barely I barely know. know them. Right, right. For me. Yeah, um, yeah and, and it's interesting to think about the prospect of inheritance in that it's like 
a way to sort of be loyal and and like continue the power the connection that family has but you and i having the connections that we do to our extended family especially i i think we sort of don't give a shit about that like (laughs) we have connections to our friends for a lot of people it's like their entire point of making all this money is so that one day their kid's gonna have it which is why when you say something like you don't believe in inheritance the way it is uh, a lot of people can have a big issue with that and i completely understand that like uh, that is something that is so legitimate, like especially for someone that has come from a lower so- social economic uh, place or just being f- uh, flat broke to then make money and then have kids. They want to give that kid uh, the life that uh, they think that they deserve. Um, and they probably do deserve that life. I think everyone deserves a good life, but um, it's there's a lot of uh, horrible other sides that are completely problematic and and terrible to to that, and this movie kind of shows yeah, that yeah. <laughs> very well. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think the the idea that fucks with me is like this sense of of um of debt that like Harlan because yeah. because he is the family of these it. people all these people like <laughs> well you owe me like even Joni who is like daughter in law of thromby is like well he's my father-in-law he owes me this money you know and like i know these characters aren't meant to be um very likable necessarily but it's also a i think that is a real thing like this sense of debt among family um and you know i do think that like as as you were talking about like parents sort of um i think for a lot of parents you will build neither of us are parents so what the fuck do we know but um like a lot of parents will build up this in inherent um, sort of response. It's, it's it's called responsibility, I believe, uh, to like raise your child properly, to not abandon <laughs> them, and like it's not. Oh wait, really? it's less of wait. That's a thing. It's <laughs> less of a sense of like I owe my child this, and more of a sense of like I just I just have to do this because this is this is how it's done, you know. And when that role is not fulfilled, then you know we end up with terrible situations like a bunch of a whole generation where the father just left, you know? So I love that it shows that, uh, the sort of splintering of political ideals that happens throughout generations where, uh, we have Meg who is quote unquote SJW, uh, SJW Marxist, uh, feminist, um, and then a Nazi (laughs) on the other side of things. Um, I just like that, like, uh, that, within the one family both can happen even though their experiences are roughly the same of what they're going through yeah Yeah. very interesting um and there's there's a couple of deleted scenes uh that you should go watch because it's just fun intertext or or fun um extra shits uh but uh i like how i went from intertext to extra shits (laughs) um (laughs) uh but one of them is uh a private conversation between uh tony colette's character and um joni i said joni Mi- i called her joni mitchell before she's what she's her name is tony colette who the fuck is joni mitchell i have no idea anyway i don't i don't I know doesn't matter. i don't know people's names <laughs> that's true it doesn't matter um tony colette's character who plays joni thromby uh benoit blanc and her have like a private conversation where like he used he ordered one of her products from a skincare brand and he got this fucked up rash from it and then he did some research and found out that her company has been out of business for years and that's why she's broke so that's just like a little bit more of an explanation because we that kind of gets um that actually sort of should have been in yeah there because... it kind of gets ham-fisted 
it does make more sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's this whole other thing, because you know how Walt has, a like, a broken foot the whole movie and he's limping? And that's mm-hmm. never explained? Yeah, yeah, so there's another scene... I don't think you need to explain that, because some people yeah, just have yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there is a scene where um, Bernard Blanc goes to Walt's house and he sees... Breaks his leg. No, <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have a, a martial arts fight. Um, uh, but... Uh, Blanc meets his wife, uh, Walt's wife, who I whose name I can't remember because she my wife. is the my wife, Walt's wife. Um, and he he talks to her and gets her to explain to him that Walt uh, is in debt to some like mobsters and uh, that they shot him in the foot, and that's why he's wearing that brace and he's limping. Um, and so that just like adds a little a little other layer of tension, and I guess like reason for us to sympathise, not really sympathise with Walt, but understand why he wants the inheritance so much because he has to pay back this money to whoever shot him in the foot, you know. Um, Which is, yeah, I think those are both interesting pieces of information, like, if you just want to get to know the story better um, and and to fill any little plot holes that might have been niggling, but um, not even plot holes, it's just, like, extra, it's just enrichment, you know. So this is a really fun movie. I... Yeah. I watched it for the first time at like around the beginning of isolation. Um, and then I watched it again with my whole family again, still in isolation. My mum loves murder mysteries. So we, we really bonded over this and then uh, uh, I watched okay. it again yeah. last night. And every time it's just like, it's just fun, man. I, I'm really, really appreciative right now of pieces of media that can, you know, they can, they act as real good effective escapism and they just don't make you think about any of the terrible shit going on right now and you can just have a good time in a cool house with some cool people it's funny because i'm in the process mentally of choosing the next film we uh should do and uh that's one of the things that i'm dealing with like don't want (laughs) to necessarily pick another film that is so uh just fucking soul destroying. Yeah, man, we did come but and at the see same time, those are the most important episode. films all the time. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> fucking god damn it. <laughs> Who cares? I mean, that's a great film. It is. Um, it is. Well, yeah. 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 So I think what we will do for the next film is a film called Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Cool. Which is the most caveman title <laughs> of all time. Because that's But you life, and bro. I have both uh, been getting real down and dirty in the kitchen that's right lately mm-hmm. so this might be a good one for that and yeah. it's directed by ang lee oh yo uh, famous for the Hulk. famous for <laughs> brokeback mountain so awesome. amazing i'm very yeah. excited for that have we uh yeah. i was about to say and life of pie i was about to say have we done chef but i know what what movies we've done on this <laughs> i've been on all of these episodes we haven't done chef yet but chef have you ever seen chef uh, have i ever seen chef dude no that's a Dude, I okay, I went travelling in 2019 and the only movie I had downloaded on my laptop was Chef for some reason. <laughs> so I watched Chef like six or eight times in the course of a couple of months, just like sitting around in airports and like on long ass bus rides and shit. Like, yeah. I watched Chef a lot, man. I've seen Chef. So the, the, uh, one of the things that I intended to do when we were doing the cinema tech thing where we were showing a double screening yeah. of films um, at our friend's house is have Chef and then this movie, Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. So, right. I mean, then th- we should leave that for... We should... Um, fuck. <laughs> what? All right, wrap it up, boy. <laughs> okay. Come on. <laughs> yeah. We'll, uh, we will talk about all of that stuff next time, next week, tomorrow, who fucking knows. Next uh, you can yeah. find us on Instagram at 
Cinemang's podcast, I think. I can't remember. Uh-huh. I can never remember. Uh, and you can uh, find the poop in the toilet. Uh, I love you. Oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you have to ruin it? <laughs> yeah.